Welcome to episode 217 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we are looking at Season 9, Episode 14, Scary Monsters. The original air date was April 14th, 2002. The IMDb user score is 7.5 out of 10, and the action primarily takes place in Pennsylvania. In the pre-credits teaser, we've got a little boy who's worried about monsters under his bed, calls his dad into his room, and in a little bit of a twist on the usual trope, the dad sees one of these monsters. But he then says, oh no, it's all good, there's nothing wrong, and holds the door shut while the boy is screaming for help because he's surrounded. Then... After the teaser, we meet Layla Harrison. She tracks Scully down again between classes and tries to get her involved in this X-File. She found out about it by chasing down some unauthorized use of a vehicle. Someone had gone down to check on her grandson. And they find that a woman's been stabbed 16 times in the stomach in what is ruled as a suicide, which Scully finds it impossible to argue with the coroner, or at least if not impossible, difficult. There's no compelling evidence to do so. And it's left at that for a moment. But then afterwards, Scully gets a call at home from Reyes saying, hey, we'd like you to look into this case. A woman stabbed herself in the stomach 16 times. And Scully says she's already spoken to Harrison. And this is when we find out that Layla Harrison is in a car with Doggett and Reyes heading out to Pennsylvania and Doggett then immediately turns around because Layla left out that rather important piece of information. She convinces them, well, it's worth going to check it out. Even if it's not an X-File, we were concerned for the boy's safety. We're almost there. When they arrive, they find that there is something wrong. Doggett and Reyes are convinced that the boy is lying and saying what his father wants him to say when he tells them everything is fine. Their car doesn't start. Something died inside when they tried to start it and the insides spewed out of the vents and as we progress scully ends up doing an autopsy on a dead cat that a guy brought because Layla harrison told him if he can get this cat to scully so she could do the autopsy then she would agree to go out with him it is a, an episode with comedic moments that keeps building until people figure out that the actual monster is the boy, and when his imagination runs wild, it also comes true, and he's had some pretty scary thoughts. So both the cat and his mother died by self-inflicted wounds trying to get something out of their stomachs when the boy imagined one of these creatures inside it. As he later does to Reyes, Doggett ends up falling down a black pit surrounded by them, and just as the father is going up to deal with the boy once and for all before Reyes and Harrison die, Doggett comes out and says, Hey, we've none of this is real. These are all illusions. I knew it was impossible. I couldn't believe it, so it didn't actually hurt me. This is all self-inflicted and because of powerful illusions. And he ends up tricking the boy because he takes a can of what should be gasoline Goes into the house, starts splashing around. The boy says, what are you doing? Doggett says, what do you think I'm doing? And lights a match, throws it on the floor. The boy passes out, expecting to be killed in the blazing fire that he saw. But Doggett actually filled the canister with water. So there was no fire. It was just enough to incapacitate him. So it does wrap things up nicely. 
I would say the biggest weak point in the episode is that despite the fact that Fox was still spending quite a bit of money on the production of the X-Files, as was 1013 Productions, the CGI just wasn't mature enough to do these monsters effectively on a TV budget. So that hasn't really developed well. There's also a bit of a mixed message here. On the one hand, we've got Layla Harrison. Again, this is the character that was named after a fanfic writer from the internet who died of cancer. And she is often the surrogate for the fandom. The last time we saw her, she was asking how Mulder and Scully got back, given that they were out of fuel, things like that. But this is a little bit different. In this case, she is still the fan surrogates, and we see her accept Doggett and Reyes, who openly admit, yeah, that we're not Mulder and Scully, and we don't do things the way they do. We see some good action from Doggett here. When he's the one that figures it out, he does have his own approach. Plus, he's got some of the best one-liners. Just His delivery is magnificent. I thought it the first time through, and in this rewatch, I still think that Doggett is my favorite of all four of the agents that we've seen assigned to the X-Files. And a lot of that has to do with the way Robert Patrick was delivering the lines. Unfortunately, there's a bit of a mixed message because the way they keep the boys' imagination down is by parking in front of a bank of a lot of TVs. Now, one of them is showing Harsh Realm, the series Chris Carter created that only lasted eight episodes, which is a neat little trivia, but if you're saying that television, the medium you're on, is going to reduce someone's imagination, when you have a character that's named after a real-life person who is inspired by this very show to do her own writing and her own fanfic, it seems like a slap in the face to the person you are simultaneously trying to honor. So that element didn't work out that well for me. Now, in terms of the production, this episode was written by Thomas Schnauz. He had previously written two episodes of The Lone Gunman. This is his second of two episodes of The X-Files, although he did work on The X-Files Resist or Serve video game coming up. This is also not his last involvement with the TV series. He's done as a writer. He never worked as a producer. He doesn't direct any of the episodes, but he will actually make a contribution to Jump the Shark, which is the next episode in the series. This is Dwight H. Little's only episode of The X-Files as director. He had previously directed three episodes of Millennium. IMDb says he is best known for directing Tekken, Murder at 1600, Anacondas, and Broken Arrow, he produced. And the Anacondas actually looks like the sequel, Anacondas, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. So he does have 50 directing credits to his name. The most recent is Tigerheart. At the time of this recording, it is still in pre-production. He also directed 23 episodes of Bones, although he did not direct the episode of Bones that we are going to be talking about in a few weeks' time. In terms of the cast, this episode sees the return of Jolie Jenkins as FBI agent Layla Harrison, although she is back in the accounting department. This is her second and final appearance in the series. This is the first appearance of Brian Poth in the series. He plays Gabe Rotter, the man who wanted a date with Layla Harrison. He's got 42 acting credits to his name. At the time of this recording in July of 2020, his most recent credit is from 2018 in Vice, but we'll see if more comes up after 
These productions come out of hiatus, so he does appear to still be acting today. He is best known for his work as Tyler Jensen on CSI Miami, Peter Folkmore on Criminal Minds, Matt on True Blood, and Mark Foster on Six Feet Under. Now, Scott Pollan plays the father in the Conlin household. He is best known for his work in Teen Wolf, The Right Stuff, Pump Up the Volume, and Turner and Hooch. He's got 112 acting credits to his name, including nine episodes of Castle as Jim Beckett. That's his most recent credit. This is his only episode of The X-Files, and it does appear to be his only work on 1013, although he also appears in two episodes of the short-lived Prophet. That was actually really good, starring Adrian Pazdar. If you can find that DVD set, I highly recommend you track it down. Now, Gavin Fink plays the boy Tommy Conlon. This is one of his 13 acting credits, and according to the IMDb, the one he is best known for, although he also appears in Megiddo, Prancer Returns, and Roswell. He's got 13 acting credits to his name, starting with an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger from the year 2000. 12 of those credits are between 2000 and 2006. And then he's got one more appearance in 2017 in Swim. Given that his birth date is in 1992, I strongly suspect that that break in his career as far as the IMDb tracks was to go to high school, probably college, and now he's trying to work his way back into the industry. Steve Ryan plays Sheriff Jack Coogan. This is his only episode of The X-Files. It appears to be his only work for 1013. He's got 58 acting credits to his name, most recently from 2007, which is unfortunately also the year he passed away at age 60. He is best known for his work in Arrested Development as J. Walter Weatherman, as well as work in Crime Story, Jag, and Oz. This also marks the third and final appearance of Robert E. Beckwith as an FBI cadet. Apparently, out of all of Scully's students, he is the only one that ever feels like he has something to say. So we have discussed his work previously. So it is an enjoyable episode, although it does compound the problem I've been having with Agent Reyes up to this point, in which we still don't know what kind of person or decision maker she is. In fact, there's even a whole conversation about how these guys are different than Mulder and Scully, and they're probably not as good. And then Doggett solves the case, and Reyes has very little to do. She bonds with the boy and gets him to talk a little more, and then quickly becomes the victim. So she spends most of the climax in pain or recovery, and it's all Doggett again. I'm really hoping that we get to see a more active role from her, since... As we know, and as the crew found out while filming this episode, this is it for the X-Files. This is the episode they were filming when the cast and crew found out that season 9 was going to be the last season. That decision has since been revisited, but this is as far as it went in the original production cycle. This is the point where they knew things were going to be wrapping up. Speaking of wrapping up, in two weeks' time, we'll be looking at Jump the Shark, which becomes the de facto series finale for The Lone Gunman. So, please join us again in two weeks' time for that one. Thank you for listening.